Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. It has been a couple of weeks since I have been in a position to produce a new report. One week because of illness, the next because of traveling. I hope you will listen to this one carefully. I'm going to have some shocking things to say about the Hebrews of the Commonwealth of Israel today. We, you and me, the house of Judah, or Jews and the house of Israel, we are all in literal and spiritual battles right now. The more the wars in Israel and Syria escalate, the more the battlefield opens up on the spiritual front. Because of this, there is a perspective that I want to present for your consideration today. Some of these things will be hard to accept for some. May all that is happening drive us to our knees to ask forgiveness of our mutual Father Yahweh so that He will come and fight the battles ahead of us on our behalf. Gaza's low-tech kite brigade went to work this week increasing its destructiveness and awakening a high-tech response from Israel. The incendiary kites and balloons have damaged farmlands and nature reserves to the tune of more than 450 fires over the past month. The torching of 7,000 acres of land and causing some $2 million in damages. So, the Israeli military struck Hamas infrastructure in the Strip in response to burning balloons being launched from Gaza into Israel. Some 45 rockets were fired from Gaza toward Israel overnight on Tuesday. The burning kites are the latest method used in the nearly three months of intermittent Gaza border protests. This kite terrorism, as it is being dubbed now, is yet more evidence of relentless Palestinian hostility. But the media views this another way. The media views it as a desperate Hamas ploy to get attention on behalf of the two million Palestinians who the media says are largely penned into the impoverished seaside strip, quote-unquote, according to that wording in a Fox News article. The complaint in Fox News is that a decade-old blockade imposed by Israel and Egypt to weaken Gaza's ruling Hamas militant group has ravaged the local economy and caused widespread despair. The reality, though, is somewhat different. But then, who remembers back far enough to attacks on Israel by Hamas until the Gaza Strip was given to them in exchange for what? Peace? Hamas's continued harassment of Israel is the reason Israel now understands that land for peace does not work, but hard-hitting airstrikes do. How short is the media's memory that Hamas has for decades called for the destruction of Israel? An 18-year-old Gazan leader who is afraid to say his name for fear of Israel targeting him said the use of fire kites started with bored teens flying Palestinian flags. We wanted to provoke the Israelis more, so we attached a burning rag to the kite. Thanks to God's will, the thread was cut and the kite fell on the other side and started a fire. This is how we got the idea, he said. Fire kites are cheap warfare. One dollar to make a kite and a balloon, just 50 cents. But for a people without food and water, that dollar and 50 cents might be better used for sustenance than war. The teenager went on to say, 
Unless there are 15 to 20 fires, we don't consider this a good day. Terrain along the border is pockmarked with black spots of scorched hillsides and charred palm trees. In Niram, which abuts Gaza's northeast border, the fires have inched dangerously close to adjacent train tracks and a gas station. Residents and visiting firefighting crews are on standby to deploy at a moment's notice. In an effort to shift the narrative, Kibbutz residents and their children recently floated colorful balloons and kites toward Gaza in what they said was a message of peace. They've also begun a replanting drive to replace the damaged fields. But Gavri is skeptical much will improve until larger changes in the region take place and the lives of Palestinians in Gaza improve as well. Kobe Sofer, a ranger for Israel's Nature and Parks Authority, said vegetation could rebound relatively quickly, but it will take many more years, if at all, for the entire ecosystem of plants, predators, and prey to recover. Sofer says that he has seen scorched porcupines, snakes, turtles, lizards, and other rodents and insects, not to mention their feeding grounds. Touring the area, the only animals in sight were birds pecking at charred carcasses. All the years of rocket fire and military maneuvering never left anything like this, said Sofer, a 17-year veteran ranger, as he gestured toward a scorched hilltop overlooking Gaza. It's a helpless feeling, he said. The IDF warned on Wednesday that it is ready to use a variety of tools and means to respond in an increasing intensity to such acts of terror. The message of tit-for-tat attacks is that the resistance is the one that defines the equation of the conflict and we will not let the enemy isolate our people, a Hamas spokesman said on Twitter Wednesday after the violence had died down. Minister for Regional Cooperation Sachi Hanegbi stated Tuesday that there was never any idea voiced in the cabinet to open fire on Palestinians who are flying incendiary kites into Israel. We do not kill those who launch kites, Hanegbi stated. The cabinet backs the position of the security forces that as long as this will go on, more and more Hamas assets will be bombed. Israel says it plans to deduct from tax funds it collects for the Palestinians to compensate farmers and the military has been stepping up its measures in recent days by firing warning shots at launchers. Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman vowed Monday that kite terrorism cannot continue, but Israel's decision-makers must also consider the risk of sparking all-out war, as happened four years ago. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the region is escalating toward war. Perhaps he hasn't seen the news or read the newspaper, but there is already war. The use of weapons to invade an enemy's territory constitutes war. But then the UN is just a little behind and not so smart about such matters. The UN chief also said he is shocked by the Israel Defense Forces use of live fire since border protests began in Gaza on March 30th. He said its military has a responsibility to exercise maximum restraint except as a last resort. Let me get this straight. It's okay for Gazans to use any technology even their low-tech fire kites to attack Israel and cause millions of dollars in damage. But it is not okay for Israel to respond except with restraint. Do you think we should send UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres to military school?
Can you tell that the stupidity and pacifism of the UN really angers me? Even though I have reported that the Palestinians have Hebrew DNA that scientists call Jewish DNA because they are unknowledgeable about the population they test, I still condemn what these leftovers from Jeroboam's kingdom are doing to their Jewish brethren. Guterres further said, The killing of children as well as of clearly identified journalists and medical staffers by security forces during a demonstration are particularly unacceptable. They must be allowed to perform their duties without fear of death or injury. Well, here we go again with using children and humanitarian workers as the reason to not fight a valiant war of survival. Hamas uses children as human shields. They put women in harm's way. They disguise themselves as friendly, but they are Israel's deadly enemy. The Palestinians are on a vendetta to kill Jewish Israelis who are their own brothers. Now, brace yourself, my brethren, from the house of Judah and the house of Israel, because now you're going to hear what you need to hear. The ongoing conflict between the Palestinians and Jews is simply a continuation of the civil war that started 2,900 years ago when King Rehoboam smarted off to Jeroboam over taxes. Rehoboam threatened to make the northern tribes' lives more miserable than his idolatrous father Solomon had when Jeroboam, on behalf of the northern tribes, asked for some tax relief. 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 3 and 4 And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard, and now lighten the hard service of your father and the heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 6 and 7 And King Rehoboam talked with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he still lived, and said, How do you advise to return a word to this people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to this people today, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. And verse 8, But he, that's Rehoboam, left the counsel of the old men which they had advised him, and talked with the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And verse 10 and 11. And the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, So shall you speak to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made your yoke heavy, but you make it lighter for us. So you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, and I will add to your yoke. My father has whipped you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Just as in Rehoboam's day, the Israeli government clamps down on their house of Israel brethren who are mixed with Arabs and not of the house of Israel and who are in alliance with Iran but there are house of Israel brethren caught in with the Arabs and Iranians and the government clamps down on them to make their lives more miserable it didn't work in Rehoboam's day it hasn't worked for the last 2900 years and it's not going to work now The Israeli government must find another way to deal with Hamas and to turn 
their brothers and sisters who are now caught in Islam's web so that peace can become a possibility. How about starting by lightening the load in exchange for talks? How about treating the Palestinian people as if they have a right to the same life and happiness as the Jews? Don't you think that part of the dry bones coming back together in Ezekiel 37 where the first time they come together in man's hand might have something to do with making peace with your house of Israel brothers and your Ishmaelite cousins? Yes, there are thousands of years of animosity between the Palestinians and Jews and yes, they have worked hard to kill the Jews but they have not succeeded and they won't succeed the house of Judah is the kingly tribe that Yahweh has protected from the beginning even when they were not performing up to kingdom standards the house of Judah has had ample opportunity to reunite the twelve tribes for the last two thousand years but they are still failing to step up to their kingly role and now don't think I'm being anti-semitic I have words for the other side too Jeroboam took his ten tribes that Yahweh gave him in 1st Kings 11:31, and went home to start his own kingdom but unfortunately he did it without Yahweh and led the northern tribes into idolatry in order to get revenge on King Jeroboam in Jerusalem that my friends is cutting off your nose to spite your face Jeroboam knew that idolatry is any worship outside of Jerusalem that gets stamped with Yahweh's name Jerusalem is the place of Yahweh's name not Bethel or Dan not New York City or London Jeroboam's wrong turn cost the lives of millions of Hebrews their heritage for the next 2700 years today we are still carrying the shame of our ancestors who turned from Yahweh in order to spite the house of Judah both houses were wrong then and they are wrong today we see in our modern world of religions the religions of Judaism and Christianity the elements of this ancient war we also see it in the actual war that is going on between these two Hebrew populations who hate each other we see it in the missionaries and the anti-missionaries who continue the struggle using the lies of theologies developed within each side over the last 2900 years the house of Israel suffers from it every time a Jewish brother or sister says Abraham was the first Jew the Jews received the Torah at Mount Sinai and that all we need to do is keep the seven Noahide laws we feel the pain of being kept out of the temple until 70 AD when Yahweh finally kicked the Jews out of the land for their sins against each other and against those who were trying to return back to Yahweh but who were non-Jews and thus unloved and unwanted by the house of Judah we feel it today when they say the Tanakh is the Jewish Bible as if it has nothing to do with us and when they say that in the coming kingdom the people of the earth will convert to Judaism what is Judaism? 
It is an evolving, never standing still set of opinions by thousands of rabbis who have their own agendas. What is Christianity? It follows in Jeroboam's footsteps, continuing in idolatry and becoming the seat of anti-Semitism, hatred toward the other house, the house of Judah. Ideas and opinions are so mixed up that in Hebrew root circles there are people proclaiming that the Palestinians are the true Jews and that all the Jews who have moved to the land since the end of the 19th century and after 1948 when Israel became a nation are not Jews at all but pretenders can you see the ridiculousness of that statement can you see the mess that disobedience to Yahweh has created the Hebrew people were intended to be a united front a royal priesthood before a Gentile world and to be collectively a light to those nations instead our ancestors created today's mess and we are simply continuing in it I don't see a way for the mess to get straightened out without the coming Messiah the Jews won't acknowledge that the Palestinian population along with the large percentage of Christians are the descendants of their ancient brothers nor will those populations do the same for the Jews so the two sides continued fighting on all these fronts Israel against the Gaza Strip and West Bank and they want to continue along their errant theological lines until the real enemy comes along to destroy them all we Hebrews are simply ridiculous okay now back to the article I hope you're getting the picture now though that Yahweh did not intend his people to fight each other we must figure out how to stand together to fight the real enemy that is coming Iran and Russia okay now back to the article Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system intercepted seven of the 45 rockets lobbed by Hamas, but at least three of Hamas's own missiles landed inside their own Gaza Strip territory. In response, the IDF targeted 25 Hamas stations, and I will have more to say on that later. Eshkol Regional Council said that five projectiles fell inside populated communities, three landing in the southern region, and two landing near a community center, with one causing damage to buildings and vehicles, and another landing near a kindergarten. Daoud Shihab, speaking for Islamic Jihad in Gaza, said that the Gaza Strip would not become a shooting range for Israeli F-16 fighter jets and that it was the duty of resistance movements to respond to such attacks. Well, sorry, Daoud. The Gaza Strip has already become Israel's shooting range because your people keep trying to kill all the Jews. And let me stop here and add some comments to what I've already said. For some reason, Yahweh gave me the ability to cut right through the crap to see the truth of a given situation. He most certainly has endowed me with understanding about the situation in Israel. Only a few years ago, I would not have been able to understand it. But more than that, I did not care what was going on between the Jews and Palestinians. Yahweh gave me a heart to care and eyes to see. Without his Ruach downloading to me constantly, this report would not be possible. 
nor would I be able to call out to both sides the errancy of their ways so that I can call them both to repentance that said it is the Jews who have the upper hand so if they really want peace in Israel they have to make it happen today's Jews are in the same place as ancient Rehoboam was with the northern tribes under Jeroboam and you see Yahweh replays the same situations with us over and over and over don't think that I blame only the Jews for this mess in Israel the Palestinians are a bitter cruel and hateful people toward the Jews their root of bitterness runs deep and is very old both sides must come to some quick decisions because Iran is bearing down on both of them the Jews see this but Palestinians are still of the opinion that Iran is their friend they're about to find out that just ain't so now let's talk about Iran Iran is behind the increase in violence coming out of Gaza Iran is stirring the Palestinian hatred pot but Iran will just as quickly turn on the Palestinians once they are no longer needed in Iran's fight against Israel why it is because the Palestinians like the Jews are Hebrews and the Iranians are ancient Amalekites descendants of Esau this is another ancient war playing out on today's modern battlefields stay tuned I'll be right back after these messages Hi, this is Kimberly Rogers Brown thanking you for listening to the Jerusalem Report produced by BeastWatchNews.com and asking you to send your support. A donation of any size to BeastWatchNews.com. It costs money to run ministries, to teach the word, interpret the prophecies, and to keep websites online. Trust me, we sure do appreciate it. And remember, you can read the transcript of today's broadcast under the Jerusalem Report at BeastWatchNews.com Join Pete Rambo and Kimberly Rogers Brown in Jerusalem for the Feast of Sukkot. 16 nights for only $825. Offer includes breakfast and dinner. Does not include airfare, other transportation, or lunch. Present yourself before the eyes and heart of the King in Jerusalem. Go to AniYosef.com for details. A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com See you this year in Jerusalem and stay tuned for details on the upcoming Jerusalem tour. Such a deal. Join the Rambo and Brown Jerusalem Tour at Sukkot 2018 for only $199 for three days or $74 a day for a single day in case you can't attend all three days. We will visit the important sites in Jerusalem Old City plus Mount Herzl and Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum. You will see amazing archaeological evidence of Jerusalem and Temple Mount going back thousands of years. This year in Jerusalem. Now you're getting an idea about why the coming Great Tribulation will be such a mess. The Syrian war actually is a microcosm of this scenario because within Syria are dozens of smaller factions who join each other until their alliance is no longer needed, after which they switch sides and fight each other. Here's an example. All Nusra Front and ISIS were buddies fighting the Syrian armed forces side by side. Each was funded by Barack Obama's administration and together they made great strides in bringing Bashar al-Assad to his knees. That is, until their two leaders, Abu Muhammad al-Jalani and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, fell out. That disagreement 
which is the same old Arab story over who will run the show, caused a split in the al-Nusra front and ISIS show. This scenario has happened repeatedly among the various factions fighting in Syria. They're friends in the morning and enemies by evening. The great tribulation will be the settling of old grudges by every group who ever held a grudge in the history of the world and particularly those nations in the Bible who rear their heads in the end of days. So the ancient Persians, for instance, will use the current friends against a people they both consider an enemy, you know, the Palestinians against Israel. Once the enemy is defeated, though, the people who have the same DNA as the defeated mutual enemy, i.e. Israel, will no longer be needed by the one who truly is the enemy. The Great Tribulation will be the settling of other old scores, too. Ancient Persians from Russia will take on the population of Hebrews in the Western nations. The descendants of Japheth in the Far East, who lost his firstborn place to Shem, will take on Shem's descendants in the Near East and West. Gog the descendant of Reuben, who lost his firstborn place to Judah, is now trying to maneuver himself into first place as a leader of Israel by putting an army in Israel to protect it and making a statement about Israel by moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, a disguised way of saying Reuben is now in control. There are many other such factious elements that will play into the Great Tribulation's politics and wars. Right now, the most visible of these slippery, slidey situations is the alliance between Iran and the Palestinians. To this end, Ayatollah Ali Khomeini stirred the Palestinian pot last Friday. In an address to the nation on Friday, Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei praised Iranian citizens for showing up at massive anti-Israel rallies last week in support of the Palestinian people to mark Al-Quds, or Jerusalem Day. Quote, this year, and despite hot weather, people participated in Quds Day rallies more remarkable than previous years, unquote, said Khomeini in a speech on Eid al-Fatir, the festival marking the end of the Islamic holy month of Ramadan. President Hassan Rouhani also sent a message to the nation saying, I believe the land of Palestine will be returned to owners of the land with the help of God. Chanting death to Israel, demonstrators protested Israel's control of Jerusalem. Can you see how Ayatollah Ali Khamenei stirring the pot last Friday and the supposed great support from the Persian people might have actually emboldened the Gaza Palestinians to increase their aggression against Israel this week? Here is a report that states, in secular terminology, what I just told you from the Bible's prophetic terminology, but with a little more recent historical detail. This report comes from the Australia, Israel, and Jewish Affairs Council, AIJAC, which is the premier public affairs organization for the Australian Jewish community. The Palestinian battle against Israel has almost always been intrinsically linked to external powers and the ongoing Hamas-directed violent rights along the Gaza security fence are no exception. And according to the Shin Beit, Israel's internal security service, Iran is providing funding to Hamas in order for it to carry out these violent activities along the Gaza Strip's border fence.
The Palestinian Authority reportedly agrees, warning the French government that Iran is fully financing and pushing the Hamas demonstrations. These warnings, and indeed the riots themselves, should be viewed within the broader context of the Iranian regime's long-standing demands for Israel's annihilation that date back even before the 1979 Islamic Revolution. The current Iranian regime's co-option of Palestinian terrorist groups actually began nearly a decade before that revolution when Ali Akbar Motashimapur, the deputy of revolution leader Ayatollah Rouhani Khomeini, formed an alliance with the Palestinian Liberation Organization, or PLO, in Lebanon, then in the grip of a large-scale civil war. It would not be an exaggeration to say that the PLO helped create Hezbollah, the Lebanese arm of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, with Arafat's Force 17 training hundreds of Khomeini loyalists in Lebanon, and the most infamous member of both, Imoud Bugneya, actually moving from the former to the latter. Motashimapur, meanwhile, became ambassador to Syria following the revolution, even as he remained a senior member of the IRGC and began coordinating the export of the all-encompassing Iranian revolution, of which the Palestinians became a vital node from Iran's embassy in Damascus. The rise of the violent Islamist groups like Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad in the 1980s and 90s gave Iran a further opening into the Palestinian movement. Israel's deportation of hundreds of Hamas activists to Lebanon in the early 1990s first brought them into contact with Hezbollah after Arafat's faction began negotiating with Israel the Syria-Iran resistance axis formed an alliance of several rejectionist Palestinian factions, both Islamist and secular, to undermine the deal and attack Israel. It was at this stage that Hamas moved its external headquarters to Damascus, falling under the command and control of the IRGC as it oversaw the significant part of the Second Intifada for which it was responsible. Mugnaya, now chief of Hezbollah's external operations unit, was tasked with training Hamas PIJ and others in Lebanon and Syria, Iran funded, armed, trained, and directed all the Palestinian groups to varying degrees and would recruit agents from the hundreds of wounded Palestinians that were sent to Iran for treatment. Despite a falling out in 2012 between Hamas and Syria over Syria's murderous reaction to nationwide protests resulting in the expulsion of Hamas from Damascus, Iran maintains strong control over the group's actions. It is attempting to reconcile Syria and Hamas and a lot of the group's military leadership, including Saleh al-Arari, who now reportedly is based in Lebanon, where the IRGC supervises every aspect of its activities and is allegedly attempting to establish Hamas bases to open a second front against Israel. Hamas's political leadership has recently been forced to ingratiate itself with Iran to reestablish their alliance as they had been cut out of Iran's pipeline funneling tens of millions of dollars directly to militant commanders on the ground in Gaza after the disagreement over Syria. Hamas is not quite as direct a subsidiary of the IRGC as the PIJ, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, 
with the PIJ's own Secretary General once describing the group as fruit from the bountiful tree of the leader Khomeini. According to Israel's coordination of government activities in the territories, without an order from the supreme leader, even an Iranian bullet from an Iranian weapon is not fired by PIJ. An even more direct IRGC affiliate peeled off of PIJ is Al-Sabarin, which is Shiite and preaches Iranian theology. The ostensibly Fatah-affiliated Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade is also affiliated with Hezbollah, which Israel says has its own headquarters in Gaza to oversee activities and funds. When Hamas's Gaza leader Yahya Sinwar proudly announced recently that Hamas and Hezbollah coordinate and are in touch on an almost daily basis, he implicitly means Hamas policy has to be run through the IRGC given the history and logistics of their relationship. Iran maintains overwhelming financial and military leverage over Hamas and provides a majority of the funding, equipment, and training for it and other groups in the Gaza Strip, making it an integral part of any Palestinian initiative there. While Hamas is not Hezbollah or the PIJ, it is still heavily dependent on the IRGC and, given that the violent riots were orchestrated by Hamas, they ultimately were orchestrated and, of course, funded by Iran. The problem with a report like this is that it still doesn't get to the underlying and very ancient cause of the problem between the Jews and Palestinians, between the children of Abraham and the children of Lot, between the ancient Amalekites and the ancient Hebrew kingdom of twelve Hebrew tribes who, under King Saul, failed to annihilate the Amalekites. It doesn't address the reason why the northern house of Israel, who today are trapped in the Edomite Christian church and the southern house of Judah, failed to stick together to be one nation under God to fight God's enemies. Because of these and many other failures, the world now has to endure a great tribulation so vast in its scope and so confusing as to who is one's friend and who is the enemy that unless the Messiah comes to stop it, the world itself will end. Debka.com reports that the Gaza and Syrian battlefronts are interactive. The rockets, mortar shells, kites, and balloons of recent days point at one objective, to pile on Israel an extra active war front and so force the IDF to divide its strength between the two arenas. So let me jump in here with a comment. This is the rehearsal for the squeeze I've been talking about. The West Bank Palestinians and Hamas in Gaza are both funded and commanded by Iran. And right now, Israel is fighting on two war fronts, Gaza and Syria, which can easily become three war arenas if an uprising should occur in the West Bank. This scenario fits Zechariah 12.6, which says there will be a day when the governors of Judah rise up against the people on the right and on the left. Now, back to Debka. Therefore, says Debka, the challenge of a multiple front war has become a reality for Israel's armed forces. 
the real war front on Israel's northern border won't be from just a few airstrikes made by Israel against Syria. One day, Israel will awaken to find Iran on its border. How this could have been prevented is no longer relevant. The IDF must now concentrate on grappling with the various fronts and organize its priorities in the best way possible. One of the ways I have foreseen Israel handling these several war fronts is for Gog, the United States, to open up military operations inside Israel as Israel's guardian fighting with Israel on these war fronts. The way the IDF is dealing with these two war fronts is by glossing over the problems in Gaza, according to Debka. For now, the aggression from Gaza continues to be relegated to a secondary challenge compared with Syria. And so, on Tuesday night, Israeli airstrikes continued to bomb empty Hamas buildings after Hamas and other Palestinian terrorists had a chance to escape harm, while Hamas, for its part, is still confining its rocket and mortar volleys to nearby Shir Hanagev, Eshkol district and Haf Ashkelon councils, causing damage but no casualties. These populations were advised the next day to send their children to school and keep to their usual routines. Do you understand what is going on here? For various reasons, political and otherwise, both Israel and Hamas are playing a practice game while the media plays it up to make it look like more than it is for the sake of public consumption. At least that's Debka's opinion. The escalation and provocation between Israel and Iran continues. Israel carried out an airstrike on a Shiite militia in Syria on Monday with the approval of both Moscow and Washington. The airstrike killed 52 members of Iraq's Kata'ib Hezbollah, an Iranian-backed Shia militia, which has been operating near the Iraqi border in Syria. A report released by Al Jarida says that Russia believes Tehran is disrupting Russia's goals in the Middle East. Russia wants to strengthen the regime of Bashar al-Assad, but Iran wants to extend its influence in Syria, which at this point is considerable. The airstrike appears to have struck at Tehran's route to the Mediterranean, that east-west corridor that Tehran recently completed. A second report in the same newspaper on Tuesday also claimed that the airstrike was aimed at sending a message to Iran to remove its forces and militias that it supports from Syria. This airstrike had the approval of Russia. In fact, it appears that Israel and Russia are on the verge of a new era of cooperation in the Middle East. As Israel continues to tighten the rope on Syria, Trump is demanding that the Europeans readmit Russia to the G7 forum of highly industrialized nations because the Russians had agreed in general to Israel's request to distance Iran from its borders. Jerusalem strongly denies the three-way coordination, but does concede that with regard to Iran being on its border, Washington and Jerusalem do see eye to eye. Meanwhile, Israel draws encouragement from intelligence reports that U.S. sanctions on Iran, pursuant to Trump withdrawing the United States from the Iranian nuclear agreement, 
have inflicted massive damage on the Iranian economy. In fact, the damage is much greater than originally predicted by Israeli intelligence experts. Thus, pressure on the mullahs is growing and Israel believes that ultimately it will cause one of two things to happen. Either a real change in Iranian policy regarding the spread of terror or the establishment of a second front against Israel or the regime will fall. Israel and the U.S. provoking Iran will not cause Iran to back down or fall, according to Daniel 11. Israel's National Security Advisor, Mir Ben Shabbat, secretly traveled to Moscow on Monday to meet with Russian officials regarding Iran's military presence in Syria and to get details of Russian efforts to formulate a plan for southern Syria and Israel's demand for Iranian forces to leave the country. The Kremlin said Putin and Netanyahu had also talked about joint efforts to provide security near the Syrian-Israeli border during a phone call. Reports earlier this month also said Israel and Russia reached an agreement for the withdrawal of Iranian forces from southern Syria, but later an Israeli official said no such deal had been reached. The White House and Kremlin are both experiencing division within their ranks. The camps in America and Russia are divided over Trump and Putin holding another one-on-one meeting. According to Debka.com, defense and military chiefs in both Washington and Moscow are heaping obstacles against the meeting and are spearheading an anti-summit campaign in Washington, while Defense Minister General Sergei Shoigu spearheads the same in Moscow. Debka's sources say that the generals are using U.S.-Russian military confrontation in Syria to stage those obstacles. The other side of the camp, working to bring a Trump-Putin summit to fruition in the face of this powerful campaign, is Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, following on his success with the North Korean leader. Pompeo is playing ball with his opposite number in Moscow, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.